I won more premierships alone than the other he 19 managers. He has created an absolute Boys, we are here to ranch. James, we have to do justice before just sliding right into the top four. I didn't want to get off track. This, this is one of the best title races. Good afternoon, and Patrick. You're in a really heated race to finish in the top four. And you trot out a BT. What on earth? I don't have an option. I'm talking worldwide. Wow. Welcome. Welcome. To Prem de la Prem. All right, let's do this. Prem de la Prem. Monday, September 30th, match week seven. Uh, if you find my body with suspicion of foul play, just play this episode back. It'll tell you everything you need to know. How you doing, Patrick? Um, a little concerned now. Um, I'm not doing well, that bad. Or, I mean, I don't know if that, is that a, is that a threat? Is that a promise? Is are you Im- implicating me in something I've yet to do a la minority report? I'm just confused, James, which I yeah. think is a, it's a, it's what was, we didn't want, but we're both leaving confused today. Well, I think we both laid it out that one, one would be the worst possible result for all parties involved. Right, yeah. I, I mean, it's. I don't know what to feel. A loss would have been clearer. <laughs> well, let's give the let's give the folks at home a little context to start this yes, out. We, do. if you're listening to this on Wednesday, uh, expecting a well-rounded episode of Prem de la Prem. Boy, are you guys stupid? Because United, <laughs> it's our show, baby. We ain't talking about Max. <laughs> United played Arsenal on Monday, and you can bet that's what we're going to take up the majority of this episode with. All bets are off. All rants are possible. But if you do want to hear from some of our favorite guests talking about the other top six teams, don't worry. We got you covered. We put in the overtime over the weekend, and you will hear from three of our top six fans on a Friday special episode, and then the following three teams and fans on a following extra episode. But don't worry. Wednesdays, as always, just like when you're hearing this, that's the, that's the general flow. Okay, that's out of the way. Pat, we got to talk about this game. Yeah. So I think we talked about this with Carl off the air, but he gave me shit for picking 1-1. In my heart of hearts, I knew it was going to be a 1-1. Yes, it's a Lawrenson take, but here's the problem. Hope, is, hope will always kill you. I thought it was going to be 1-1 right up until I saw the players walk out of the tunnel. And you know that feeling where you see players wearing a kit of a team that used to be good, and you're like, oh, these players, by property of wearing this jersey where good things have happened, are going to be good. And it's the tradition that you've seen, and you're like, all of a sudden, anything could happen. I see them walk out the tunnel. I'm like, this is going to go well. And uh, yeah, it sure didn't go that way. I mean, I think to your point, though, there is something special about this fixture. And it might, it might just be nostalgia at this point, but there's, there's something about that buildup that, that that hour from the team sheet to when, you know, the 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 the, the game started that you know, me you and, and our our good friend Colin we're we're going back and forth on text not a sane mind in that text thread we're we're just losing it we're ready for this and then it's just electric when they walk out and I'd be lying to you if I told you it's it's a it's it's a comfortable fixture for Arsenal uh, you mentioned this off the air I think it's since we've, we've, we've won there, but not in the league, I believe. Was it, is, is it 06? Was it the last time Arsenal's won there? Uh, yes, I do so, believe yeah. it was half of my lifetime, 13 years. Yeah. <laughs> so it is a little... If that's a metric you would like to use comparatively. Yeah, it's, just, it's, a, it's a fixture that we're not used to winning. So there is a little bit of fear built into the Arsenal mindset, and surely from a United mindset, mm-hmm. there's a, a mindset that you want to take all three points. And as soon as you saw that, I could recognize that. Yeah, so I want to get into the goals themselves, but let me just round out my emotional story arc from, from how this went down at 72 and sunny on a Monday on a work day. And yeah. fuck the Premier League schedulers for putting this on a Monday. There was one game on Sunday. It was Leicester-Newcastle. Anyway, yeah. so we're can, up. Yeah, oh, I, I, was, I was just going to say, if we want to link up for the next game, we got to get together at 7 a.m. on New Year's Day. Oh, okay, that's doable. Yeah, yeah. What? We'll sort that out offline. There's, but it's just yeah. the the two the the one the two fixtures that like we actually hope to watch together of all the games we watch together they put in two times they're going to make it very difficult. There's a strange coincidence with the start of Prem de la Prem as a podcast and the cuckage, the levels of cuckage coming from the Premier League facilitators and schedulers. 
you have to imagine the two Robbies are involved. When are they not? Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, don't know. Rebecca's, it's, Rebecca's it's, not a saint either. It's, it's upsetting, but I understand it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> to the topic at hand. Here's how it goes down for me. We obviously score through McTominay right before the half. Um, I, I always said, going back to the start of this pod, it's the hope that kills you. And you know what happens at halftime when you're up 1-0? It gives you enough time to check the live table standings. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. As it stood at halftime. You we were didn't. In, oh, no. Well, just wait. <laughs> we were in sixth place, three points off of third place, and all of a sudden... Champions League is a sure thing. And then it's Monday, so you've got to work, or so HR has told me multiple times on multiple occasions. <laughs> so I run out for a quick lunch, and in the way, on the way back, knowing the second half just kicked off, I get, caught by a, I get caught in the hallway by a coworker who has the gall to ask me a work question. And I know for a fact at that point in time, by the time I get back to my laptop, it was going to be 1-1. And then, sh- surely enough, Aubameyang had equalized, but I didn't know the circumstances in which, he, in which he equalized. So maybe that's a good place to start, that, uh, that goal for Arsenal or that equalizer. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's a, it's a, it's a talking point either way. I think no matter, no matter how that plays out, uh, one, one set of fans and one team is going to feel you know, absolutely done in by the officials. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that they chose the lesser of two evils in this scenario. Obviously, from I, I think that I also think that's an objective viewpoint. I think that the call was so horrendously wrong, and I don't think De Gea switched off. I do think that Ashley Young switched off, and I think you could ask the question: Could he have impacted that play? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I do feel for you from a strictly objective standpoint. Is the flag the flag went up, and you know, the 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 whistle didn't blow. If I'm going to be really really tight on it until after the ball was passed right. to Haya, it's like a it was like a photo finish what crossed the line like did the ball cross the line before the the ref blew his whistle that's right takes it yeah I mean, we were we're 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 put in a shit position by that that linesman who you know kevin friend had himself a day but that that whoever oh. was on the on the line was i and mean that to be i can't even i i can't justify that in any way he was yes. in line with Maguire. Oh, I, believe me, I went back and watched it and got angry all over again. You know when you do that, you, like you feel angry in the moment, and then you go back and you do something again to feel angry again? Or right. is, that well, just you, an, is that just a British thing? No, no, I, you just want to feel something, James. You want to yeah. feel something, James. I've been watching Dwayne Haskins' interceptions on repeat. <laughs> so that's neither oh, here nor there. But yeah, no, I want If he get, just powered through the rotation. Yeah, yeah I, I want to get, through, I wanna get to the United perspective on it because I do feel for you. Uh, do you think it was a fair adjudication of VAR in the end? Uh, yeah. No, I mean, obviously a fair adjudication of VAR. I think it's... Okay, so it, VAR is like the Russian nesting dolls of farces. Like you open up a new egg and you're like, oh, I didn't know this problem could exist. Let's, let's dive <laughs> into this problem. Like, did we think about this when we made the rules? Um, first and foremost, you know, shout out to Tuan Zabi, who I think had a really good game, but he's going to get remembered for that bad pass, which is just unfortunate. I would agree around. with that. We can, we can um, touch on that later. Yeah, we I... can, yeah. So, you know, thoughts and prayers. He's fine, but feel for him. And then obviously yep. you touched on it. The linesman is in line with Maguire, who's playing Obama Young on. I don't feel completely hard done by, because to your point, De Gea, I don't think, totally switched off, and Aubameyang in on the goalkeeper. What's to say he wasn't going to score anyway, right? Right. So it's that aspect of it that I'm not so mad about. It's just the incompetence of the linesman. And why are they even there if VAR is going to call it back? You know, what does a linesman do other than just throw confusion into a situation? So Yeah. In that situation, that's all he did do. Yeah. Yeah. And And he, uh, he left room for doubt in what was otherwise going to be a very clear situation right right it could have just been a simple goal anyway let's tie this up with my freak of the week i'm just gonna get right into it okay kevin friend is awarded with freak in perpetuity he will always be a freak and is not just of this week his band of clowns are the freak of the week so that's the linesman sticking up his flag i don't even know his name but uh kevin friend you are awarded the prem prem in perpetuity freak award james can i he is um not my freak of the week I can do that right now if you'd like, or we can go later. But I would like to just fuel you a little bit more as we get into this podcast. Mike Dean was the VAR official. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) 
you would think he would cut me some slack because he was the one referee's name I remembered. Right, yeah. And, and the <laughs> they one all came that back seen, in full force. Yeah, and I saw Mike, wait, wasn't Michael Oliver on the touchline? It was like an all-star game of refs. Yeah, well, I think that says more to the state of the FA and their officials, which, thank God I'm not you know, a, a manager of a Premier League team right now because I'd be fine for just saying that. But they need mm-hmm. to be called out, and they need to be called out in a major way. Um, I don't, I don't know if you're buying into it, but there's some, there's some, some thoughts in the, uh, certainly in the retosphere, and I'm sure elsewhere that there's this conspiracy going on with the, the referees that they are just going to try to use VAR in the worst possible ways to make everyone so upset that they don't have to use it. I think that if that's true, that is a losing cause. But they, they don't. It's, it's. It's it's a complete organizational incompetence, and I think this is a, a microcosm of how bad it can be and the myriad of effects that it can have. And it yeah. wasn't just the it wasn't the only VAR instance that could have been mm-hmm. brought up in this game. You had the oh, potential I mean, handball from Kalasinac. Yeah, which, let's let's get into it. You're 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 talking about sure. you're talking about instances and adjudication that is just getting in the way of the beautiful game of soccer that we witnessed and we could talk about for years and years. But uh, let's get to the incidents. You mentioned the Kalasinac handball. It's not yeah. the first time we've seen it. And one, I think you should count yourself lucky that it's happened not once but twice. And then the next time you get caught out for VAR, I think your luck had just run out. So just, you know, count your lucky stars there. And on the yeah, second I hand, think, go sorry, ahead. no, 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 you go, you go. I was just going to say, I think this was different from the Socrates one. I do believe that we'll get corrected. I think the Socrates one, he leaned into it. I think Klasenach was, his hands were wild. Sure, they were away from his body. He was moving his hand back to his body when the ball hit him. That's it was a nice touch. To One-time control. It was, it was, I mean, it's probably the best touch I've seen him take ever. But if you ever watch that guy, if you ever watch that guy play, he doesn't often know where any of his limbs are. Um, and I, he, was, he was moving away from the ball for me. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm looking through some tinted glasses. Um, but I, it's, it's, it's to that point, it's consistency. It's a handball we've seen given. It's a handball that, if it was given, would not have been turned over by VAR. Let's not be mm-hmm. confused by that. And this is the, the, the underlying seed of everything is we don't know what is and isn't a penalty or a foul yeah, and what it's, can it's be like, overturned and what can't be. It's like thinking introducing technology is going to change subjectivity. <laughs> right. It's, yeah, it's, and it's changing like, the handball rule. Right. Like, you know, a does not equal B. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, so that was that was that one, and I, and I agree with you. We're gonna we're gonna catch one, especially with the clowns that we got rocking in our back line. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other one that I thought was offside, the offside was the most egregious. But uh, I thought Rashford was lucky to be playing a full full ninety minutes after the oh, yeah. um, the tackle you, on soccer. Are you teams. carrying are you carrying over feelings from Rob Holding from last season? Oh, I will always carry over Rob, <laughs> Rob feelings from Rob Holding. But you take a look at it; he's going to ground, knowing he's not getting the ball studs to the Achilles. I think he's lucky that he clipped him and didn't catch him clean. Uh but it was nobody yeah, I mean, mentioned just, that in post match. You are on a molehill. I mean, I mean you can you can look at it again. It, it's again it's it's one that it's one that if it was given in the moment, if the assistant right there says Yeah. That's that's studs to the Achilles, it's not being overturned because he absolutely did catch him. Uh it could have ended a lot worse. And I think it was a frustration tackle, which is why I was a little frustrated with the play. You put mm-hmm. your you know, it was a and look, it's 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 a it was a heated game. Both teams were going at each other, and I think both of us probably mm-hmm. really liked that spirit. It had a, it was a tense game, um, not I wouldn't say good game, but it was a tense game. There it was, was a, it was a game. It was a ninety minute game. <laughs> there were people there were people playing playing really hard, and I think Rashford was one of them, and he was frustrated. And that know, was some that that was some Lennox Lewis esque uh, analysis. You know what you got out here yeah. is two boxes who really want to win this one. I'm gonna punch you, and he said, "No, no, no! I'm gonna punch you back. We gotta fight here, Max." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my, the next points I really want to touch on uh, to give this some semblance of structure are kind of fallout and and post match, like looking back at the result and how the two teams sure address it and progress. So I, I know you had some points on the game itself and players you wanted to hone in on. Yeah. No. I. You know, we can start with. Um... United on this one, because um, I, this again, I, I mentioned this off air, but I don't really like dive into United games all that often. It's kind of like you know something I just watch sometimes, or I'm not fully in, and I'm pretty immersed. 
and I thought that I thought that the this this is I'm going to sound like a bit of a hypocrite. Um, I don't think it's something to be celebrated, so I'm not actually going to be a hypocrite. But I thought that the spirit and the energy was there for United for the most part. I think that you saw the 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 lack of quality come through in the end, mm-hmm. um, and I thought that there were some really really positive signs because mm-hmm. um, I think you're gonna you can expect that lack of quality. Um, but I think things that are really positive. I thought McTominay and James were immense. I thought they were absolutely fantastic. And remind me the name of your center back that played left back who had the one blunder. Tuan Zabi. Tuan Zabi. Uh, he was. I thought he was uh, fantastic outside of that error. And I think that the those those three guys are guys that you going into the season probably hope you can come out of this season and say, all right, these guys are going to be on the United squad and they're going to be impact players at least in the rotation for a number of years to come. And it's these types of performances in these types of games that kind of make mm-hmm. you come to those types of con- conclusions. Uh, and I thought McTominay was incredible in the midfield. James, um, I think that United could have done a lot better by feeding James more. I thought every time he touched the ball, he looked dangerous. Yeah. He put Callum Chambers on a yellow nine or ten minutes into the game and seemed like they didn't really right. go at him when Callum Chambers is playing in maybe his third best position. They went so, back to him too late. Because yeah. it seems like they've started feeding him like 80 minutes plus when it could it should have just been funneling all game. Yeah, and at, at that point, I think probably about the 75th minute and on, it seemed as if Arsenal were content with the one point and James was going 2v1 most of that game and that it was it's I just oh they were they were doubling up it was it yeah was frankly frankly respect yeah frankly I don't think that uh you know even against Arsenal's defense I don't think that United have the quality to break down a whole bunch of teams in a short period of time mm-hmm. so I once Arsenal made that decision I yeah I felt pretty comfortable with the draw um I going into the game I I don't think that that's what I would have liked but I think that's yeah. what Arsenal was set out to do. Yeah. But yeah, that's we can go there later. I just want what to get a, your thoughts on those three, those three young players. I thought they were fantastic. What a what a sign of the times! First of all, that at Old Trafford, defending defending points against United, you can just go. I think we'll take the draw, <laughs> and that's that. <laughs> Shut yeah. up shop. But yeah, um, I mean, it, it's it seems as if that's if that's what they did. Yeah, it, it definitely did. And you know, I'm not saying I'm proud of it. I just that's I right, think that's rightfully so. It was a, it was a prove us wrong moment, and we had some nearly moments um, at the end. But I I I would hate the takeaway of this game to be that United was hard done by by officiating because it was another lack of quality performance for for the most part that to me didn't show any kind of deserving result or performance deserving of a win there. However, uh, you know, onto the players who you mentioned, I think you single-handedly picked out the three like sung heroes on the United Reddit. And I think that's with reason because those are the guys who show the most effort, the most desire to run all over the pitch and, and play for the badge. And Tuan Zibi is um, kind of cut from that Tammy Abraham cloth where you prove going out mm-hmm. on loan, cutting your teeth in the championship. He was also on that Aston Villa team. Yep. It works. It works. And you come back right. and you work that much harder to, to break into the team. Um, that obviously carries a lot, a lot more clout than that than the team that you were loaned out to. So you're seeing it with Tammy Abraham, Tuan Zabi, and I think this game pretty much <laughs> reinforces this idea that's growing amongst United supporters. And I think I mentioned to you, this to you offline, but Tuan Zabi's tipped to partner Maguire next year and take over Lindelof um, because the more that he is able to play and express himself, the more I see Lindelof make a few errors and, and really kind of fail to, to fill up... Uh, sorry. Um, fulfill potential so mm-hmm. that's one to watch but yeah, yeah there's gonna no. be a, a little lingering thought in lingard or not lingard that was just a freudian slip true freudian slip um, yeah. <laughs> he should also watch in, out though in lindelof yeah his his time's been done uh the in lindelof that you know you, your last season certainly it was just this absolute clusterfuck and now you know I, we, i've talked about it with other teams in arsenal specifically but now that you have another option, yeah, it's, it's, it's not the step that you want to take if you're United. You don't want to say, great, now we have somebody else we could play. But mm-hmm. what it does is that breeds competition and lets the cream rise to the top and hopefully sharpens the axe of all of those players so that what was a decent second option in Twanzebe is now a really good second option in Lindelof next year because Lindelof's gotten a little bit better, but he's been surpassed or something to that effect. Right. 
And um, I will never argue. You know, maybe Lindelof does prove himself over the long period of time to be the better defender, but I'm not arguing with competition for spots. You know, that's that's what you right. always want. And let's be real. Like, if you're, you know, United's a club that should be competing or, you know, maybe they don't, they, they don't, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve to win all four, but they should be competing for four trophies every year. You can't do it with two center backs, right? You need, you need to have a third. You need to have a little bit of depth in your squad. And to have him, I, I believe he's homegrown. I think he's been with the club since he was eight years old or something like that. I might be mistaken. Yeah, he's been around. Uh, but, right. You know, those, those are the types of players you want to see succeed as well. So um, even from an objective standpoint, you know, you, that, that's a player that I'm going to hate because he's united sure. through and through, you know. And so those, those types of things are people that you can really identify with and, and, and see um, people growing yeah. into. And the, I, I thought Pogba had a very good game. De Gea wasn't asked to do much, but when he was, I thought he, you know, he, I think he really was just by and large asked to make that one double save. And the it was double save, classic yeah. De Gea. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think both the Arsenal players could have done better there, but in the end, two good saves and crucial saves in the, at the, at the time, because right after was the McTominay goal. So we, if, if he doesn't make those saves, it's likely Arsenal going into the half one nil up and, mm-hmm. That's a much, much different game for, for, for United to break down. Maybe they could have done it over 45 where they couldn't in 15. But those, those saves, I think you got to, your, your big guys stepped up, some of your young guys stepped up. What I do want to ask you is, did, you're, you're obviously disappointed with the result. I'm trying to unpack the why. Was, did you think that the three points were there for the taking? A hundred percent. I think Arsenal yeah. set up to not lose, which I agree. I, I, I cannot wait to get your take on that. Oh, yeah. I think that is yeah. the worst way to, to possibly go out, go out with a game against United and 100%. to the best, I mean, to the best of our devoid quality and ability, we, we tried to exploit that and the game was there for the taking. And I, it was just another game where I just wanted one cross of quality from Ashley Young. Give me one good cross into the box. Rashford, make one run to the front of the six-yard box. You know, um, I think you mentioned Pogba had a good game. I think it was one of those where he's held up to this, like, it's just a completely different pedestal than every other player on the field. And right. when you do that, you, you could say he had a bad game. You know, he misplaced a lot of passes. He was looking a little lethargic. I still think he was the most susceptible to have a game breakout <laughs> in front of him. But... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, he the, he started a lot of United's moves when United was really um, breaking out, and I and I do want to. I mean, can we can we talk about like the the this is a little bit bleeding into Arsenal, so I don't want to take okay. over. Your no, great. United I, I think point. we should head that way. Yeah. Okay, so I want to talk about that first goal because I think what that first goal was was you know we we can touch about why Arsenal were set up the way they were set up, but let's just accept accept the status quo. They were set up to defend. And I thought, by and large, in that first half, they did a pretty exceptional job of executing that vision. It looked a lot like that, the, the, the way they set out to play Liverpool when they did that earlier this season. Right, which is And they tried, to, they tried to catch people on the break, right? I mean, I think it says a lot about Emery, but we'll, we'll get it. And they tried to catch people on the break and, you know, sit back and defend. And I thought they did really, really well. What happened was, in my opinion... They fell into, and this is just about staying switched on all the time. They they fell into a five minute trap, and it killed them. Uh, mm-hmm. What happened was uh, Genduzi was absolutely bodied off the ball by Pogba in the midfield, mm-hmm. and then that started. It was the, a break. It was yeah. It started a break. It went right to Rashford, and he he made a meal out of that one. And then through within a couple minutes later was the breakout where somebody whiffed on it and then Sokka was one-on-one with Lindelof, you know, did well enough to get a shot off, but, you know, no, nothing too, too troubling for Dea. He parried it wide. Genduzi's probably one of the last guys I want to see with that cleanup attempt and, you know, fair play to De Gea. He made a good save, but you'd expect most keepers to make that save. Um, and then after that, Arsenal do what is just so, so damn frustrating is they concede off of an attacking corner. I don't know that they keep statistics for this, but Arsenal has to have more than the rest of the Premier League in history. It ha- it can't be close. And the 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 things that I think were so so impressive from a United standpoint is just how they can play on the break, man. It is where they are so damn good when they can get out and run. And it was a it was a relatively weak clearance, I believe. I don't know who cleared it out off the corner, 
but then Kolasinac and Saka kind of both made a half attempt at the ball, and Daniel James ran right through it, headed it up to Pereira. Pereira plays Dan James in. Um, would have been clean in on goal, Lingard, if Xhaka didn't pull him down 30 yards out. Love which, it. Like, I don't know if Kevin Friend was going to come back to that, but Lingard oh, was Kevin running Kevin Friend was on another six. planet. Yeah, he was right in front of that one. If you want to go back and look up the... Do you know what I'm talking about? I do, yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, if there's... It, I mean, it's, it's Granite Jaka. There's the, the, I didn't even need to, need a replay to know what happened. They said Lingard complained for a foul behind the play. I was like, Jaka pulled him down. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You could hear it on then, the radio and, and know exactly what it looks like. Yeah, and then and then United did a good enough job to finish the move. I mean, fair play to I think it was Rashford that tracked. I thought the ball Kevin down. Friend was going to have the last say and just set a pick in front of McTominay to end the play. <laughs> he was dangerously close to that shot. But um, yeah. no, the one point I was going to make. I mean, you started this train of thought back when you talked about conceding from attacking plays and attacking corners. My favorite. I think we've talked about this before. My favorite goal, Manchester United goal of all time in their pomp was 2009 Champions League semifinal, the the Rooney Ronaldo Park Ji Sung counter against Arsenal away, where we just yeah. shredded them from like our two own passes, box. like yeah. six touches, and and yards. this goal, this goal was like the store brand version of that. Right. <laughs> it was like, yeah. It was like the gross version of that, where the play like basically broke down and then McTominay produced a worldly yeah. shot. But yeah, again, um, if, if not for Jaka, I think it's, I think it's a very, very similar goal and it's yeah. being lauded as a great team goal. And then again, just fair, fair play to McTominay. I, I did not think he had that in his locker and that was just right. a, I don't think it took a deflection either. I think it was just pretty, well, I was, pretty fantastic. I was hoping you were going to get onto this, but after Jaka pulled down Lingard, he managed to get back in front of the ball just to duck beneath it. Yeah, I'm not having that. The ball was to the, the right of his head. If you watch the replay, he's flicking his head to the right. He's doing the little up and under. I'm not having that, especially okay. on a ball that's coming, so coming that for, quick. For yeah. a couple weeks in a row now, you're defending Jaka. Got it. I'd, I thought Jaka was one of uh, the best Arsenal players today. Okay. Well, uh, let's get into it. Let, I, I would love to hear your ratings of the Arsenal players, and I'm actually a little sheepish because, you know, you, you lauded three United players, and I looked around at that Arsenal team, and I think this is mostly a byproduct of the way they set up, like we talked about, but I cannot pick out, you, I can't pick out like a player who really shone for you, maybe in a gritty way, in an ugly way, but yeah. you, you mentioned yeah. Xhaka. Yeah, I, I with, I'll, I'll get back to Xhaka, and I'll, I'll go ahead and answer your question. I think, I think that list is one or maybe two people long, and the one person on that list is Burnt Leno. I think he showed his class. I've been, I've been screaming it from the mountaintops that he is vastly over, uh, underrated, excuse me, and it has to do with the shit defense that's put in front of him. Have people seriously I, been worried about him? No, I just, I, I mean, I'm not saying worried. I don't think that, I think he is completely overlooked when it comes to like the best goalkeeper in the Premier League. And I don't think he's the best goalkeeper in the mm. Premier League, but you'll see shit on like everywhere is like rate the best Premier League keeper. And then it's five of the top six goalkeepers and then Jordan Pickford because he's the English keeper. And wow. those are the six that they include. Okay. And I don't think that Leno's off that pace at all. Yeah, um, I can get and behind I think, that. But yeah, I would say I, from an outside perspective, I, he seems very rated. I think he seems very respected. You know, I, I think yeah. you solved your keeper problem with him. No, I, I completely agree. And I, I, I think that he makes those. Um, I, I don't think that there were any saves that, that I think were like, holy shit, how did he save that? He's just solid. And mm -hmm. I think the Rashford free kick was, it was well-placed. But if he's not caught guessing... That's a save he should make to be to be fair to him. I think, but a lot of keepers get jittery and you know right. make, make yeah. that step to the to the wall yeah. side. Yeah, and so that's why I'm saying I think he showed some class. And I think the second person on that and a little bit of a redemption story would be David Louise. Um, given the way that we were set up to play, we knew we were going to absorb pressure, mm -hmm. and I thought that he was he was very solid. I think that he made a number of valuable clearances, whether or not. The ball squeaked through six other Arsenal players, and he had to be the last one to boot it clear. Whatever, uh, he's he, he he stepped up for me, and, and and Socrates was decent. I thought the defense was actually really solid, and they executed that game plan well. Say what you will about that game plan, but what I was particularly disappointed with is probably what you were. Aside from how they set out, I still thought the game was there for the taking for Arsenal, and they didn't even seem to bother. 
that the game was there for the taking, no matter what team United put out. <laughs> you know. It, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, it's it it pains me a little bit just because I know we're just so reliant on Aubameyang and Lacazette, the both of them, mm-hmm. and without one of them. I mean, Aubameyang incredibly opportunistic, but what other chances did we really have? You know, yeah. I don't, I don't know that we had much outside of like, does this one little ball break for us, or can we score off a set piece kind of opportunities in that game? And well, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not even close to calling him a bust yet. But Pepe's looked incredibly off the pace his entire time in the Premier League. He's shown yes. flashes, sure, but. This yeah. is a type of game, if you're going to set out like that, you need individual brilliance. Yeah. And Sokka looked the more threatening party. Which is not saying a lot. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, I, and I, I think Sokka's got a bright future ahead of him, but if you're playing at Old Trafford in the seventh match week of the season, you'd hope your club record signing can show a little bit more than the youngest player to ever play in that fixture. You know, yeah. and I mean, you could reverse their stories and be like, "Oh, okay, Saka just came in from league uh, at whatever million dollars." Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, jur- the for me, the jury's still out on Pepe, but you know, my patience is starting to wear a little bit thin, and mm-hmm. and it really also too comes from uh, back to Emery. Saka's the more threatening. Yeah, sure, he's the kid, but what did Pepe shown you that Saka was the one that needed to be pulled off and Pepe left on it, for Reese Nelson, right? I, I, Reese Nelson came in. I, I can't remember the order of operations who came in for who, but that was eventually that was the like for like sub. Right. Um, and, and, and Reese Nelson, Saka, Emil Smith Rowe, Martinelli, sure, let them all have their run out, but Pepe is the one that should have expectation. Pepe should be the one that you're giving the ball to in those dangerous situations. And I, I can't say that he looked dangerous, even though he was in a few dangerous situations. He had a couple shots that were just awful. And it's it's a little bit frustrating, but especially given like the way we set out, you knew that we needed that, and he wasn't there to provide it. Right. So that was my big frustration. And the midfield was whatever, you know, nothing too special. Mm-hmm. I think they held they they did their job for what they were meant to do. Mm-hmm. Is what I would say. I don't yeah. agree with yeah. It's it's the way they were set out that really bothered. Me. I think that's fair analysis, and I think you could look at it as job done if that's what you set out to do. And yeah, are you? Do you, how many, cause I want, I have something I want to bring up to you, but I also want to give the respect if you have more about the players in the game that you want to, you want to talk about. No, no, not, not really. And I, I think that just to, to finish on your point is I went into that game thinking a draw would be somewhat disappointing, right. but once I saw how that game was playing itself out, I was quite happy with the draw because it's that, that was what, that was the ambition from Arsenal. Right. So it's. They, right. they achieved their goal, right? And then it's... They kind of Houdini'd you into thinking a draw was going to be a good result. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's the hope, James. It's the hope. You it's know, the we hope that kills you, both and, for and, you and for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you'd think we could, could identify with each other more, but I think we're, we're still just hoping the other shits the bed just a little bit more. So we can't... <laughs> two ships we in can't, the night. Yeah, two shits in the night. Yeah, for real. Like, honestly, I would much rather be in a first and second battle with, with United and lose than be in a fourth and fifth and win. Mm-hmm. Just the I, way that it feels, like, you know what I mean? It just feels dirty. It just, yeah. like, I know you're shit, and I'm rooting for you to be more shit. It just feels wrong. I mean, equally, I would have, obviously, you want the win, but I almost would have preferred a loss to the draw because it gives us a true barometer of, like, we're not even on, on Arsenal's level, you know? Right, and that's not a dig. But anyway, I want to take this to Ooh, something. I think it's I think it's fair. I yeah, think it's fair. We haven't won over there. Yeah, half your goddamn life. Okay, no wonder so, you think we're such shit. Yeah, I mean, half my entire life come to Old Trafford. I don't even remember Sylvan Wiltord scoring that goal. <laughs> Who dat? All right, we call so, him Wilt Lord. <laughs> okay, so we've talked about on pitch incident. I want to talk about post match analysis and and where this game puts these two teams in the, in the path forward. So here is a very cherry-picked collection of quotes from the post-match interviews. And yes, it's going to trigger you, but yeah. I Just think Just don't it, say good evening at the beginning so I can still have a little bit of mystique as to who's saying it. So at the surface level of, of the lasagna, it's going to trigger you, but when you dive into the meat and the rigatone, you're going you're gonna, to, you know, we can have a culture discussion about it. So, okay. 
Here are the quotes. Emery. Yes, good evening. I want more control <laughs> with the ball to create better chances. That was a little Mourinho. But being oh now I'm doing all I'm doing only Mourinho scrap it I want more control of the ball to create better chances but being competitive against United here is a good point Aubameyang I think the team fought very well today we take a point it's always hard to come here so we will take it David Luiz we're very happy with that performance you have to analyze each team performance and I think we did great now I want to contrast it with a couple United quotes De Gea this is Manchester United. We have to win these games. McTominay. We're disappointed with the result at the end. I think we deserved more. Ali, which is like obviously the most tame one. <laughs> I've been in that situation as a player when you come off and think you could have gotten more out of a game. But we'll learn from this. What does that tell you? And am I being too cherry-picking with that? Or does that tell you something? I think, I think that you, if you, if you want to um, extrapolate that and say... That is these teams mentality. I would say fine. You know, that's your that's your kind of decision to make. Um Did any of that bother wrong. you? Did any of that bother you? Knowing what they set out to do, it the players' comments don't bother me. Emery's comments bother me because he's the one who came up with how they were set out to play. And that's the kind of confidence that he's putting in his team. Yeah. Saying yeah, we are going to go out here like this. We're going to try and catch him on the break. Obviously, he's not saying, hey, we're going to go in there. We're going to try and get a draw. But he's saying, hey, we're going to be we're going to go in there. We're going to be compact. We're going to sit three of our most defensive midfielders in front of our back line. And we're going to play Chambers over Maitland-Niles, who did serve as suspension in the Carabao Cup. The more defending of the defenders, I would say, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's got a little bit more defensive tactic in him. And. We're going to make United beat us because we don't think that they can. And in that respect, yes, job well done. Took the, took the point. Unfortunately, we couldn't get three. Whatever. Uh, but Emery's the one that I have a challenge with. Mm-hmm. Most, mm-hmm. Of the, most of the players on Instagram were saying, not what we came here for, but we'll take the point. Always a okay. tough place to play. Okay. So they did include some of that. I, don't, I didn't listen to the post-match presser. I try to you know keep myself from just going completely off the edge uh with those so you know i i it's it's all on emory for me i see i I feel you starting to direct your ire at emory more and more each week yeah and and on on emory it's there's some things that are confusing and there's some things he's just tough to figure out you know like i think that i think what, what there's there's issues at united but I think you know what what Ollie's after, right? You think I think you know what he's trying to do. You can mm. see parts of that. I tell I myself think... that I do, but he's got that. You know, when you cut to Mourinho, he's got that sour face. You cut to Ollie, and he's just got that confused face, and it does, does not make it easy to defend him in front of Carl when he's just being a dickhead at my desk. Yeah, well, it's better than Emery's like Ugh. Oh, the grimace, the Emery yeah. grimace, he's, and, and he's always scratching his chin. Like, I mean, this is great radio, but. Like, it's so uh, bad. Yes, yeah, uh, subscribe evening. to Premier Prem Gold. You'll get the video. Good evening. We were not supposed to play the ball to uh, the Watford striker. We were supposed to play past him. Okay, okay. Go back to cartoon. Back to London Conway. We'll go back to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I think that, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that Emery makes you... He makes you want to ask questions. Like the way he sets the team up, the comments after, not including Ozil in the squad ever. He did start Torreira today, which I told you I was surprised by. Right. Um, the, and then he also has these like weird characteristics where he's got no problem putting all his faith in Ginduzi, the 20-year-old boy, or mm-hmm. Sokka, the 18-year-old. Just wrap your head around the 18-year-old winger making his second career Premier League start at Old Trafford against this United team. You know, mm-hmm. like, the, the, he, I, there's something going on behind the scenes at Arsenal that we can't figure out. Namely, the fact that Granite Xhaka was voted by the players to be the captain, unless that's an Emery ruse, but I'd imagine that that no. would get outed pretty quick if it was. And so, like, there's, there's something about this team that we don't see. I can't quite figure it out yet. I'm hopeful. Uh, but yeah, Emery's, Emery is definitely drawing my ire a little bit more. And I think that, as we saw with Jorginho last year, I think that, uh, you know, 
Jorginho is to Xhaka as Sarri is to Emery, and he will be this manifestation of Emery's decision making. Right. And they're they're like Xhaka's successes and failures will be Emery's successes and failures. Also, Xhaka's being there put he's just so damn slow. You almost need to have another defensive midfielder next to him. And then you've <laughs> That's all exactly of a sudden become a defensive midfielder. <laughs> right. And then you need another more ambitious kind of midfielder. That's that's a different topic, but uh, but yeah, no, the comments don't really bother me. If I'm if I'm a United from a United perspective, yeah, I I thought that they they if if the points were to go one way, I think United probably deserved it more. Yeah. You know, I, I I I think that Arsenal absolutely deserved the draw, but I don't think that they would have deserved a win had they, you know, let's say uh, that, that that final free kick had they put that one home or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, I I would have deemed that a very very unfair result for United. Yeah, and I think I'm. I'm being a little hard on the team because I thought it was such a great opportunity to change the narrative. And I try not to let the media and the punditry get to me, but it's all I do all the time is just read articles. So it, it, it gets to me, you know? And yeah. I think the hype, the hyperbole around United right now is just an, it's the manifestation of a trash can fire because I think what's so salient in those quotes that I read is that United expectations are a lot higher than Arsenal expectations. Yes, that's an extrapolation, but I think we see ourselves on this massive pedestal that we need to climb back up to and we're massively failing. Whereas Arsenal, for lack of a better phrase, is like, oh, we come to Old Trafford, we get a point and and it's great. And just failing to realize that you had an opportunity to take all three points and should have gone for it. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I'll again, we're 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 7 games in. And so I'm you know, Emery is the manager of Arsenal, not an Arsenal supporter. So while he's in that position, I want him to do the absolute best that he can. And going to Old Trafford and getting a point just in a in an absolute vacuum, not a bad result, right? If you take away all of the context that surrounds it. Sure. And so if he's playing a 38 38 game season with the ambition of making the Champions League, Great, but you can't also lose to Watford the way you did. You can't also have all of these other slip-ups. You can't let Tottenham off the hook in the end of that game. You know, there's so many other instances where Arsenal are just missing the mark that you know that your margin for error is that small. I just, I can't really wrap my head around how you're content with just a point when you look at that United team. And I I mean, yeah. I thought the United, it, it, was, it was clear from the outset, and I, I texted you when it happened. It was, it was a defensive Arsenal lineup, and it was a let's go get three points, the best we know how, United lineup. Yeah. And I still think, like, kind of, you know, you take those players, you move them around, and you kind of, you, you, you make an equally strategic lineup. I take Arsenal's lineup, but you could tell by the way that they were, the way that they were you know, picked what the team's amb- ambitions for this particular game were. I'm not willing to extrapolate. Feel free to if you'd like. Uh, but I would agree with you on United. It's that, and it's it's the the, I mean the kind of the the curse of Ferguson's success. Maybe not curse, but I'm not going to go that far yet. But the there there's one standard at United, mm-hmm. and that is perennial winner. Mm-hmm. And if you're not that, you need to be getting back to that. And you need to be getting back to that now. And that's just incredibly harsh, I think, with the team that they have as and far I as an expectation it's... goes. I think it's realizing that you're trying to put a puzzle together with the wrong pieces from a different set, and you don't know what to change out first because all this structure that was set up for Ferguson is is now gone, and you're you're looking at you know what to pull out. So I want to you know you touched on Emery and the path forward a little bit. I want to give you two statistics that I think are interesting to to analyze, and then you know we talk a little bit about Solshar, and then I realize we're coming up on 45 minutes real fast, so we can right. we can bring it into segments and take this one home, but. Here's a live readout of the homepage. By the way, my dishwasher's done. Here's a live readout, live readout of the BBC homepage. Uh, headline, Obama Young Equalizer Condemns Man United to War Start in 30 Years. And it's a picture of Ollie scratching his head. So, uh, war start to a league season in 30 years, 1989. Um, we, I didn't prepare a trivia, but do you know who the manager was in 1989? Ferguson. Yeah, three seasons in. Yeah, he took like five seasons, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, Four yeah. or five? Yeah. To kind Hold of get, get his yeah, feet in? 90, and 90, I think that that's... 92, 93. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I might not know all my history, but I read his book. It's a great read. Such He's a fantastic a manager. I'll never say anything bad about the guy, but I think it does prove the point that even the absolute best, the best to ever do it, the best to do it at one club and establish culture and continuity needed time. Yeah, and I'm listen. I'm not trying to make like a Solskjaer will be Ferguson. Narrative. I, I actually I think Solskjaer is a very average, and maybe that's like, maybe above average is, is like his ceiling, but that's who he is as a manager. Now, sure. I think the, like the point that I want to make here is this. United have won 49 points from their 28 Premier League games under Ollie. That's where they're at right now, which is two fewer points than what they won in their final 28 games under Mourinho. So Mourinho got 17 games under his belt in the, in the blow-up season last season, and then 11 at the end of the previous season where they finished in second place. So I think what you're seeing there, Mourinho, one of the best coaches of all, coaches of all time, Solskjaer, mm-hmm. obviously not. I would like to, for the purposes of this argument, say the squads were relatively similar. You know, you can add Lukaku to, Mourinho, Lukaku to Mourinho's, add a solid defense to the start of this campaign, but... All in all, rel- relatively the same squad. And I think the point is, what you have at your disposal here at Manchester United is an average squad that will regress to the mean no matter what coach, which settles out at around 4th, 5th, 6th place. And it, it, I, I can't be the only person who's just calling for calm at the squad, uh, you know, at the team, and just letting this be a build and letting it take yeah. time. and you know, as I'm saying it out loud, maybe, maybe this is um, a time to take a page from from other teams who can exert patience with their with their structure. Yeah, I mean that's that's the test of really, really Woodward, right? And the Glazers, if 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 they're willing to be patient with uh, Solshar, you know, maybe it's not him, but. Even with him, like I think that within, you know, I think going into next season, if he sticks around, even in the middle of next season, you're either it's it's gonna get better or it's gonna get worse because if it, if it's not improving, something's gonna deteriorate. People are gonna there's gonna be infighting. You know, it's not gonna it's not just gonna stay this status quo, right? And so I think riding Solskjaer out as long as possible is in your best possible interest. Mm-hmm. But it really does come back to that. Are you okay with a rebuild? I know you are. I know probably a lot of people who can look at this squad objectively, look at the competition, and understand what's at stake are saying, oh, okay, yeah, we, we do need to hit a little bit of a reset button. We still have the clout, but we need massive transfer signings. We need some of these players to come good or more than good and really exert themselves in a way that they, quite, they haven't yet, at least on a consistent basis. But I just don't know that that is in truly the United culture, that that winning culture that was created, if they can sustain that. And that's not a, it's not a dig. It's literally, I don't know. Because every single time since Ferguson, which is when they won, yeah. and every time before then, that's all, that's all I know. So they won, and then they didn't win and had short patience. And mm-hmm. then they did that two more times over. Mm-hmm. And then they brought in a club legend, so hopefully they're going to exert a little bit more patience. and this doesn't come to a fiery end. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no rational United fan screaming Ollie out, but there's some screaming it. And it's, it's only going to get louder. Well, to put a pretty little bow on this one, if Roy Keane is the guy who's uh, setting the line on calm versus uh, fever pitch amongst United fans, then I think we all know where we should stand. Because in the long run, I, yes, I wish Solskjaer wasn't the the gone with the wind appointment that Woodward made. I wish it was someone with a more um, experienced head, but he's our guy and we got to stand by him if we want this rebuilt to work. I, I think that that's fair. Uh, since you brought up Keane and we're both, you know, I don't want to say dissatisfied, but less than pleasureful from our, our managers. Why don't we just ke- get Keane and uh, Vieira in the coach's box and run this thing back? At least get some oh, wow. entertainment on the sideline. Just a just a death row of of coaches. Yeah, yeah. Keenan, well, at least Keenan Vieira would mix it up with each other. They'd be their own entertainment. Mm-hmm. Rock paper scissors shoot for the starting lineup. No hierarchy established. Uh, Emery Emery uses a dartboard. 
the, the spoiler who's, who's, is yeah who's on the picture of, so the bullseye the middle bullseye mesodozil the the larger bullseye that's outside of that is lucas Torreira, and then the doubles and the triples are a whole bunch of youth players and then all of the normal ones is granite chaka <laughs> man he hates ozil but we don't have another 30 minutes yeah, Let's he get throws into... about 400 darts at the wall before he gets a full team sheet of 11. But Jock is in there 20 times. Uh, he figured he better be the captain. It's because, uh, what's Fear of Snakes? Because Emery has that. Um, arachnophobia? No, that's spiders. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought of that one, but I didn't say it out loud. Dummy. All right, let's do goal of the week. <laughs> uh, not the best week. L- lizard phobia. Moving on. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the one. That's the one. Uh, Pat, why don't you hit us with your goal of the week? Um, I think we've been a little bit spoiled coming into this week with just a lot of things to choose from. Uh, there are some decent goals. Wouldn't say any true barn burners. Um, but I'm going with Mr. Pereira from Leicester. Ooh. Uh, he had a, a nifty little run from, I think, just inside midfield. Finished with his off foot. Um, pretty nice pearl to the bottom corner. And let's be real, if he wasn't an, if he was an attacker, probably wouldn't be getting this award, but he's doing mm-hmm. it as a fullback, yep. so it's pretty impressive. Yep, sometimes you got to go out of your comfort zone. Pereira was first runner-up in my goal of the week selection, and sometimes on Prem de la Prem, we don't give the bottom half of the table enough love, enough attention. So this one is going to my guy, El Ghazi. Two words. Mm. In Spanish, the, ga- the Ghazi. Uh, for... <laughs> For Aston Villa against Burnley, uh, it was a cross in from the right uh, delivered by one of one Aston Villa's wingers, and he catches it on a sweet little, here, let me help you along the way. It's, it's like the halfway house touch. Let me, let me bring mm-hmm. you over to the goal. You know, make sure everything's okay. Right. Taps it in. motion. Yeah. Right past Burnley's keeper, and it nestles in the top left. It, it, was, it was clinical, and in a week where there weren't any standouts, I think this deserves a mention. I think that that is a remarkable way to close the goal of the week segment. And with that, why don't you hit us with the degenerate district? Give us a little recap on what happened last week, what kind of highs we're riding, or whether we need to check ourselves at the door, and then we'll send ourselves out of here. Last week, I asked Wolves to show me who they were. I told them, this is the last time I bid on you. You let me down. It's over for the season. And they answered the call. They answered the call. Um, on another podcast where we talk about teams that don't matter, we can talk about Watford and their relegation chances, mm-hmm. but they mm-hmm. took care of business yeah. at home as I expected they did. And sure enough, they're back on the thick of things in the clusterfuck that is the middle of the table. Uh, and you know, who knows, they might still make a Europa league run as many had predicted before the end of the season or before the start of the season rather, uh, or maybe even a top six run. Um, but that cashed in, and I think that my, my Sheffield United 0-0 shout, which was plus 1,600, was a decent shout. Um, didn't come through in the end, but that's why it's a crock of the week. Um, I did help guide some folks along in a score predictor when they corrected up to a 1-0 Liverpool result. So mm. you're welcome to those of you out there that are listening to that. And yeah, while we're astute. here, James, yeah, while we're here, I'm going to go ahead and give my freak of the week to Dean Henderson. Um, it's a harsh one. <laughs> It's a real harsh one, but I think that what, um, you know, people are trying to pay their rent here, and you had it. You had it. You had the, you had the team right. You had the, the zero, strategy zero right. The 0-0 staring him down. And, you know, and look, it, 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 it's, it's harsh, to be real. It's a harsh freak of the week. This is more out of a, you had a chance to, to, to really let the degenerate district fly kind of bet, um, and he didn't do it. For you to judge Dean Henderson off that one mistake is pretty unfair. If we were doing that, De Gea shouldn't be starting for United. So every keeper's got a howler in him, and you know he'll 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 be back. And that was a great performance from Sheffield. I'm excited to bet on them further. Yeah, I am not betting on them this week, James. Well, I'm real I'm quick. I was little, just gonna say yeah. on on Dean Henderson. I was hoping Dean Smith was the coach of Sheffield because I was gonna make a top Dean comparison and new new dean on the block but it was actually chris wilder and he had some insane things to say about dean you know instead of putting an arm around a young keeper and saying hey it happens he opts for if he wants to play for england this kind of stuff can't happen so shout out stern coaches yeah i would say a little harsh but to each their own and you know i suppose there's there's something to be said about a, a manager who can take a team from the championship to the premier league so maybe knows what's on and maybe he's also got 
you know, flashbacks of a um, little Rob Green action where he's just shook by any English mm. keeper that lets something like that happen to him. Um, but once back bit, to the degenerate district. Yeah, that was the one that got away for all US of A. Uh, the degenerate district lock of the week, James. This one, it's a heat check because okay. I'm feeling myself. I know I didn't hit the Sheffield United, but I had my first heat check. You hit your lock. You came real close to a outlandish crock. Yeah, right. you're, you're doing yeah. okay. But this is a heat check on my locks because my locks have been pretty solid this year. I am going Burnley at home to win outright against Everton, and that is a plus 190. I am locking that one in. Everton has been my most disappointing team of the season so far. I don't think that they have lived up to any of the hype that is supposed to be a, the, the, you know, the Walmart's top six version of, of, of an elite front three in Awobi, sure. Richarlson, sure. and Keane. Um, well, and Keane's I, not and even getting that, the start. Right. That might be right, their first problem. That's what I'm problem. saying. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so I think there's a lot going on there. I think away from home, Burnley's going to set up a defensive outfit, and Everton have some mistakes in them, let's be real. Uh, so that's, a, that's, that's my shout for the lock. And it, again, it's a little bit of a heat check for me, but I'm willing to lock it. I will be taking this one myself. So mm. if you go down, I'm going down with you. And, Another uh, one. If you're ever tempted on betting about a man losing his job, Marco Silva, Everton manager, is, is odds-on favorite to lose his job first. So that's a nice, comforting uh, tip. Might sh- throw the um, actually yeah no that's that's a that's a safe bet. Wait, is Steve Steve Bruce still a manager? Because he's a yeah, he's a he's, safe bet no matter what the year is. Oh yeah, if Steve Bruce is currently in a job, it's it's an odds-on <laughs> bet that he's about to be out of it. <laughs> the man's updated his resume more than any football manager in history. Uh, my crock of the week, James. I'm also uh. taking this one. I'm riding the lightning. I'm taking Leicester to win plus 650 against Liverpool. It's a it's a crock, but there's there's only one hotter team than Leicester. Man, and, I'm, and it's I, Liverpool, and it's it's a it's a, it's a crock for a reason. I think Liverpool's still a clear favorite here, uh, but it's a that, that's the crock, man. I I, I I love what I'm seeing out of Leicester. Yeah, I don't feel that one in my bones. Like you talked me into Sheffield Liverpool nil nil, and I think the odds were even crazier there, but. Um, yeah, I just don't feel this one. I think Leicester's been riding out a high, but listen, they lost 1-0 to United, and, and this Liverpool team, I think, is going to be prepared. They're not yep. going to be—it's not a surprise package, Leicester, right? So let me, Yeah, let me put it this way. If this was being played at the King Power Stadium, it would have been my lock. There's a reason it's the crock. It's at Anfield. This is, a, this is the type of fixture where Liverpool flex their guns and remind people that Leicester is not a top-six side. Historically. That's probably that's probably what's going to happen. Um, we have seen a million times with Leicester where you're like, "Holy shit, this team is good," and then they kind of have a pretty humbling result against a top six side. Um, and there's there's definitely that possibility here. A, probably a decent bet to take the over in this game, you mm. know, regardless of of what 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 way you're leaning for the for the spread of the money line. But yeah, that's that's why it's in the crock category, James. That's why it's a crock. That's why it's degenerate district sponsored by Pat. And that, folks, brings us to the end of the episode. If you made it this far, thank you. You're a real one. Um, did we miss anything with the United-Arsenal game? Let us know. You know, there's a lot to break down there, and sometimes our little myopic pea brains focus in on one thing too long. So hit us up. Let us know how you thought the game went. And if you are looking out for takes around the league, you know we've got those. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, Pat and I sat down with our favorite fans from our favorite top six teams. And you will have all those takes of plenty come Friday. Pat, any closing words? Uh, no, that'll do, that'll do it for me. You got that Friday. Next week, we'll be back with your regu- regularly scheduled programming and not word vomit about Arsenal and United. And then again, the rest of those roundtables. We are thrilled to be bringing more of this content to you. Mm. Appreciate you guys engaging mm. with us on social and the downloads. Mm. As always. Follow us, like our shit, engage with us. We love engaging with the communities. I think that really comes through in these roundtables. We have so much fun with these, and they're starting to get a really amazing community of um, Prem de la Prem fans. It's really, really cool to see people not only come on, but then come back and then have, I mean, really, I mean James, really, really Damn. fun conversations. Are you running for president? Because I just felt something. Yeah. It's Yang Crowley, 2020. A stir in my soul. Well, oh, shit. I wasn't supposed to announce that yet.
Okay, well, it's done. It's done now. What's done is done. And this Prem de la Prem episode, put a fork in it. We'll catch you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. On behalf of Pat, who just can't stop, you know, telling you guys the good word, this is James signing off. What's up, Prem heads? Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts at Prem de la Prem, a Premier League podcast, and smash that subscribe button for all other interviews, segments, and hot takes that you can handle. You can also find us on Instagram for some fire content at Prem de la Prem podcast. No spaces, no punctuation, just like life.